Hey, it's Kayla Quick, but you can call me K-Quick, and you are now listening to Who Gon' Check Me, your new favorite podcast. This is where you come when you're in need of some laughter and realness, along with someone to tell you like it is, or when you need to remind yourself who you are. I mean, as long as you're doing things that make you happy and elevate you, nothing else matters. Because really, who gonna check you? (laughs) Now, if you know who I am, um, you knew that there was absolutely no way that I was going to have a podcast without talking about some social justice issue. Um, so again, welcome to episode six. Check our respectability. Um, so in terms of what inspired today's episode, I was recently when I say recently, y'all know. Y'all know recently can mean yesterday, today, six months ago. It don't matter. Um, But I was put in contact with someone um, who was an image consultant. And this was prior to me knowing that that's what their job title was. But I really thought it was a and I really to this day think it was just a genuine connection for me um, to get out into my field and just to be inspired by, you know, black women. So heads up, the story I'm about to tell is about a black woman. Anyway, long story short, I had about five or six sessions with this woman um, and she seems very nice, very sweet. Um, and she was really trying to help me, you know, really create an image for me to be a better person for corporate America. Um, For anyone who knows me, you also know that I have no interest whatsoever to work in corporate America. Um, But that's besides the point. Anyway, like I said, long story short, we got to a point in our sessions where she ultimately told me that my hair was unprofessional. Um, Again, I wear my hair in twist 98% of the time. If you ever see me, you're going to see my twist. And that's just what it's going to be because that is the style that... um, helps my hair grow the fastest, um, protects my hair in all ways possible, and I just love my twist. It took me so long to get used to wearing my twist without um, any headbands or any rubber bands or just any just anything, just my twist the way they are. Um, I'm very comfortable in doing that, in doing that, and so that's what I have been doing probably for the past two years at this point, um, and my hair has been flourishing, and I love it, so... Anyway, like I said, she basically told me told me that my twists were unprofessional. Um, and so we got into a huge debacle because I just felt like, um, you know, that wasn't the case. And so when she originally told me I was I wasn't receptive, but I was kind of over it. Um, I'm very much a person who may not speak up in the moment, but I will come back at some point. Um, argue with your mama. That's not why we're here that's a different topic anyway I ultimately came back the next session after she had recommended that I pull my hair straight back into a ponytail if you've seen me then you know that's not easy um forcing hair back into a ponytail no like the method in which for me to do that it would probably damage my hair more than what it takes me to keep it in the twist so that just wasn't happening so I got on our next zoom call and I had my twist in my head um, and she ultimately told me that I was like this perfect client except for the fact that I wasn't coachable because I wouldn't change my hair. Um, And so I say all this to say, um, again, this is probably a story over that spanned like five or six weeks, Um, but she ultimately told me, you know, I wasn't going to be successful if I, you know, wasn't willing to change my hair 
basically told me that you know my if I if she was my mother she'd be disappointed that I wouldn't change my hair let me remind y'all or if you don't know my mom wears her hair the same way that I do um anyway this just was not a pleasant experience at all for me um and I absolutely hated it um and this woman can go to hell and mm, lord forgive me but yeah no so that's why we're here um because ultimately what I went through was an older black woman in corporate America trying to um trying to enforce respectability politics on me and try to make me fit into what white corporate America thought I thought I should look like um and I made I made it very clear that I don't want to be part of a space in which I would have to change my hair to be deemed professional um and we'll get into a little bit of that later but that's just the stance that I had um and I felt like like, you know, the professional space that I want to be in is very much one that I'm going to create myself. Um, and again, I don't want to be in a space where I have to do this or I have to do that just to fit in with white people because y'all can go to hell too. Um um, but yeah, so that's really why we're here this episode to talk about respectability and, you know, what I think about it. Um, you might think something different. That's okay. Um, please feel free to continue to listen. I'm always open to conversation, um, to learning different perspectives. And y'all, if y'all haven't realized by now, I'm, I'm really a devil's advocate. So I look at both. I look at everything from two sides, um, but I'm always going to state which claim or which side that I take on the most. So, um, let's get into this content um so the first thing that i will say in regards to checking our respectability is that black people are not a monolith um there is no correct way to be a black person i think we need to know i know we need to stop judging each other um for liking or doing things differently or doing different things um if you want to be black and watch anime, you can do that. If you want to wear long acrylic nails, you can do that. Um, if you want to have a relaxer in your hair or be natural, that is perfectly your choice. Because at the end of the day, who going to check you for doing what you want to do? And I think that um, we have to stop putting us in this box because we're one of the most diverse groups of people in the world. Um, and I think we need to act as such because when we start putting each other in a box, it's just like why are we acting like we can't do things why are we allowing other races and other ethnicities and other cultures to be diverse and to do different things and then we look at ourselves and we think that there's only one way to be a good black person quote unquote um so i think that's the basis of this conversation in that there's no correct way to do that um and so when it comes to respectability politics it's like you know people who enforce respectability politics are somehow internalizing the fact that black people can only be one thing to succeed and that's not the case at all um if you don't know um respectability politics is the belief that black people can overcome the everyday acute impacts of racism by dressing properly and having education and social comportment um if it sounds like i read that off of a de definition or out of book is because I did um, a lot of my conversation for from today is coming from a book that I read by Brittany Cooper um, eloquent rage um, this is one of my favorite books that I read a few summers ago um, and it had a lot this chapter specifically had a lot to do with respectability politics and so like I said um, in a different way earlier a few seconds ago was that respectability politics is white supremacy internalized um, and I'm not gonna say that's okay because it's not <laughs> um but it's definitely something that 
when we're aware of it, we can work on it, right? So again, respectability politics is this idea that if you do things a certain way, you won't be seen as that black person, quote unquote, on the that. Um, or you'll be more respected by a white person, um, you know, things like that. But it's really the fact that, you know, people care what white people think of you. And don't get me wrong. I completely understand that, you know, you have to do certain things to get it in life you know you got to get it how you live you know some things you just have to bite your tongue with I get it <laughs> I do I really do um but trying to force that on other people or making them feel like they won't be successful unless they assimilate to white people is disgusting it's beyond me um and again like I told the story earlier about the woman that's ultimately what she was trying to do you're trying to limit my capacity for success based on how I look um ma'am look at my resume if we're going to talk about looks you know like that that's the vibes when it comes to respectability politics for me because again I get it but at the end of the day um when you're supposed to be in a room when you're supposed to be somewhere and God wants you in certain places what I said I said in an earlier episode you know it don't matter what we do we're gonna be in those spaces and so I feel like it don't and I'm not saying be out here you know bumming it up like that's a complete difference but for someone to tell you that your natural hair is unprofessional um they can suck my big toe um and that's that on that um however again me playing devil's advocate when we look at respectability politics politics we all follow respectability politics in some way um even when we don't want to or we don't think we do um or even when we critique them like we follow them because a lot of them are embedded in our culture and our history as black people um you know trying to overcome systemic racism trying to overcome individual racism it doesn't matter um and so when you think of quotes such as um you have to be twice as good to get half half of what they have um that's respectability politics um not you know as overtly but it very much is because it's our parents literally telling us you know you gotta be twice as good to get half of what they have and it's very much true like I'm not saying that that's something we shouldn't you know listen to anymore because at the end of the day it's the truth um but it's still respectability politics in that um we have to do certain things or look a certain way to get even an inch of what they have um as white people um and sometimes that's just the way it is um but I also think quotes like that don't take into the account you know that white people are gonna resent us and be mad um when we're better than them and that's not saying that all black people are better than all white people um that's a completely different conversation but but a lot of the times, um, you know, when we're twice as good to get half of what they have, we're better than them in some 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 ways. Um, and so at the end of the day, they're still going to resent us for that. And it doesn't matter how hard we work if they have the power to keep us down, you know. And that's not to say that we shouldn't still, you know, do what we need to do and fight for what's right because we very much still should. But at the end of the day, stuff like that isn't going to change their perception of us and so I think what I'm trying to say is that you know the ultimate goal of respectability politics and what I've what my experience is with it is that we're trying to get um, a certain reaction or a certain acceptance out of white people and that's not what our goal should be you know I completely get you know trying to get a seat at the table to change things or to bring about new opportunities for new people or yourself um, but trying to do it in a way that you know you're trying to be accepted I think that's a that's a wrong way to use respectability politics because why are you trying to fight for something like that you know I mean 
I feel like history has shown us that when we're not accepted at the table or when we're not accepted anywhere um, in white spaces, we create our own. And so that's very much the route that I think that we should always go. Um, I used to work at the civil at a civil rights museum um, and, you know, just showing people all black on these black owned businesses and spaces that we were able to create out of adversity just shows and demonstrates like we don't need white people, you know. Um, and so I think that um, when we talk, when I talk about respectability politics, it makes me mad because um, this isn't going to fix racism, right? Um, it's not going to make us look better to them because if they're racist, you know, they're racist. So that's just how I feel about it. I also think that respectability politics is unhealthy. Um, it doesn't give black people the opportunity to be black, right? It makes us try to downplay certain factors that we have or certain things that we do, or, you know, we know that we can't do these in white spaces because we're going to keep, we're going to be looked at a certain way. And so, you know, we try to, you know, suppress them. And I feel like that's not giving you an opportunity to live in your full blackness because you're trying to assimilate or you're becoming exhausted by you know trying to be what white people want you to be and so respectability politics is very much exhausting and you know um when it's exhausting that's because it's a means of survival you know um a lot of our elders specifically talking about again the woman in my inside inspiration moment you know respectability politics was a way that you kept pushing it was a way that you make sure that you were demonstrating per per what perseverance um in face of adversity right but i think it becomes unhealthy when you are forcing it on other people is what i keep saying um you know respectability politics you know gives you a seat at the table but again it 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 becomes unhealthy and frustrating when we and we as in black people um try to blame other black people um, for bringing down the entire race um, because of this respectability politics and that ideology. Um, and I'm specifically thinking about Monique um, and the bonnets, right? You know, the way in which she was critiquing the young women in the airport over their bonnets was that it was making the entire black race look bad. Well, babe, news flash: white people didn't need to see us in the bonnets in the airplane to make us look a certain way to them. Right. Like I don't I just had a conversation with my line sister about this today. And I personally I just feel like let people mind your business. Like, I don't know. I feel like if you're that pressed to where you you're you're trying to make it seem like, you know, one person makes the entire black race look bad. Like for one, why are you, why do you have these expectations on that one person and for two? you must not know that they don't need a reason to not like us right like we can do everything the way respectability politics deems correct and all those things and it's still not work so why waste time and energy on that like that doesn't make sense to me right I think that to be mourning loss and you know not wanting to put effort into your hair on a specific day or you know or you're like just tired but you know life is still hard I feel like judging black women for for experiencing life like that's weird like that's that's weird to me like I don't know like again to each his own um but you know just judging people based on you know their appearance like 
I don't know. I don't know. We're we're going to leave that where it's at because I could keep going on all day long. Another thing about respectability politics is that, um, again, thinking about the generation that came before us and, you know, them really living in respectability politics is that um, people who practice respectability politics, you can't you can't practice respectability politics and prioritize your mental health in the same way in the same you know instance um i'm not saying that you know you can't go practice respectability politics and then step back and you know care for yourself i'm not saying that but i'm saying the two can't happen at the same time um because what happens is that respectability politics and anger are going to happen at the same time um you're going to be mad like you know i mean knowing that you are having to do certain things to be seen a certain way like that is frustrating um again speaking for myself a lot of times but you know that's that's again that's exhausting having to do two things at one time or having you're going to be one you can't be one without the other um so I can't deny, you know, that some level of respectability politics is required to get a seat at the table. And I hate that. Um, But you also can't deny that, you know, you can't prioritize your mental health and still, you know, try to fight for a seat at the table. Like, it's really hard to do the two. And so (laughs) you may ask, okay, quick, how do we check our respectability? I think in order to check respectability politics, you have to be you in your full blackness, um, whatever that may look like. Again, black people are not a monolith um, and don't let others try to tell you what's the right way of going about something um, because there are clear examples of all roots. Um, literally like roots as in R-O-U and then R-O-O. Anyway, um, because like history shows us that there were plenty of trailblazers who took an unorthodox route and, you know, created their own. And then there are some who didn't, you know, who were able to get inside the system and infiltrate it that way. And it doesn't matter. Whichever one works for you is the route that you choose, like choose the best one for you. Um, But as long as when you're doing that, you're living authentically in your blackness and being able to be who you are and enjoy it um that's how i think you check your respectability right um don't you know don't be living out respectability politics because you're scared of white people's rejection or reaction or you want to be like them or assimilate to them that's not what i'm saying don't do that at all um but i think that if you want to straighten your hair because you like to do it do it um but don't don't do it to assimilate because we weren't meant to do that and i understand again <laughs> i keep saying it because i'm i'm a devil's i devil's advocate a lot of the time um i understand that some things you have to do to get a seat at the table but you need to question whether that's the table for you um and if you feel like it is do that um and some some moments respectability politics and anger they're going to happen but you know if you think that you can get into whatever you know table that is and by method of respectability politics and then get in there and change it up that's fine um but don't continuously you know live in this place of respectability politics because you're going to be exhausted and you're going to be tired um and that's not something that we want at all so i say all that to say um if you take one thing away from me today let it be the question who taught you to hate yourself (laughs) let's be clear i hate respectability politics period 
don't care, don't care. Um, do I, you know, abide by them sometimes? Yeah. Is it often? Maybe so. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I hate them. Um, and I say that to be clear because there are some black people who could care less about respectability politics and they're going to continue to, um, you know, enforce or, you know, want to force on other people that it needs to be a certain way for it to work. And I just don't agree with that. Um, again, I understand sometimes you got to do what you do. You got to do what you got to do. Um, who going to check you? <laughs> I'm not because you get it how you live. Um, again, I'm not going to do it because there's a need for people like me um, who want to create new spaces and new paths. Um, but there's also a need for people um, that need to create opportunities inside the system because we deserve to be there too. Um, again, like I told the lady who commented on my hair, I don't want to be in those white spaces. <laughs> um, I went to a predominantly white institution and I'm tired of being in those white spaces. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, and I just don't want to live in that space for the rest of my life because there's so much more for the black community that I want to do and that I want to work with. So that's not the space for me. Um, I want to create my own space. Um, I believe that everyone can take whatever path to liberation that they want. Um, and that's fine. And like I said, we need people who are going to infiltrate the system and, you know, bring other black people in and bring them on the top and that was ultimately what the lady in this in the beginning like I said that was what she was saying that she did you know she worked her way up through corporate America and then she was able to hire you know black people to bring them in on it and kudos to her that was her method <laughs> but that wasn't mine um and that's okay because who gonna check me uh nobody oh okay um so you do what you need to do um but whatever you do you stand strong in your choices. Um, don't be little or look down on someone else for theirs. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, attack the people who believe in per in respectability politics personally. Um, just because you know, I don't know what they went through to get to that conclusion. You know, am I gonna consent? Am I gonna consistently and continually attack respectability politics as a whole? Yes, because they shouldn't exist at all. But I do understand why they do exist. So I'm not gonna attack the person. Um, but again, you know, I'm not gonna belittle that person because sometimes that's how it is and I feel like if you are a person who completely thinks that respectability politics are necessary and that everything I just said is dumb that's fine um but again don't belittle or look down on me or somebody else who thinks like me because I'm still right in my own path um I'm right in what I say because it's been working for me um again th these conversations I had with this late this older lady happened months ago at this point I very much still been wearing my twist, very much still employed, um, still, you know, taking God's blessings in. And that's just what it's going to be because who going to check me? Oh, OK. Um, that's what I got for y'all today. Um, I love y'all. Stay black. Stay proud. Um, and keep pushing and we're going to make it. That's what we do. And don't forget to follow the Who Gon' Check Me podcast on Instagram at Who Gon' Check Me, the podcast, no E and gone. And if you have any questions, slide into those DMs. You can also find me, your host on Instagram at kquick underscore underscore. That's two underscores. And I have to give credit to the wonderful human being who created the cover art for Who Gon' Check Me, brought my vision to life and did what needed to be done. 
Miss Natalie Lucas. You all can find her on Instagram at underscore creation Natalie. And of course, thank you to everyone who listens and supports. And make sure y'all keep on asking, who gon' check me? <laughs>